Joining us now, he's the chief brand officer over at the USGA. Craig Annis joins us. Craig, welcome into the golf shop. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Morning, Craig. Yeah, you guys have had a busy week. Uh, made an announcement earlier in the week about uh, some qualifying rules or or uh, removing the qualifying for the championships that remain for the USJ. Can you kind of take us through what's involved and what this means for those championships uh, for 2020? Sure. So earlier this, well, I guess it's last week now, we did make an announcement about uh, the remaining championships on our schedule. Uh, each year we, we host 14 championships. And essentially with the announcement uh, last week, uh, what we said uh, was that 10 of those, are canceled. Uh, four of those will remain on the schedule. Uh, the U.S. Open and the Women's Open uh, in new dates in September for the U.S. Open. In December for the Women's Open. And then we're also going to play the U.S. Amateur and the U.S. Women's Amateur, which would be in August. And um, so four championships. And with that, um, also announced uh, that we're going to go to all exempt fields for the four championships that remain on our schedule. But why was that decision? I mean, I'm confused. You know, we were talking earlier, Craig, about, you know, uh, the Open, for example. I mean, it's open because it's open to anybody that has a a suitable handicap and can probably get in the field. I mean, it just, to me, it goes against what an Open championship is. I mean, I I just don't understand it. But, But I'm sure you can, you know, put some light on that for us. Sure. So, I mean, the openness of our championship, particularly U.S. Open, um, you know, it's it, it's something that we think is exceptionally distinctive and um, and also really powerful. This idea that you know anyone with the game can get in. Each year we have, you know, last year we had nine thousand one hundred and twenty-five people who tried to qualify. We launched a, a brand campaign at the end of February uh, with a tagline from Many One uh, because we we think this is just so critical. And at the same time, you know, we're in, we're in this unprecedented situation. Um, and as we step back and, and look at what we had in front of us, we really took a number of uh, factors into, in, into play um, when, when making this decision. First and foremost is health and safety. You know, we, we were scheduled to host, just for the, you know, for the U.S. Open in particular, you know, 109 local qualifiers, yeah. multiple states, I think 45 states. You know, and, and as we've all seen, states have different rules right now around what's open, what's not, what's, what's, how many people you're able to have in one place. Um, and so health and safety came first. We, you know, we, if we were going to do this, we were, we were going to need to make sure that we could ensure everyone's health and safety. And the reality is people travel in and out of these uh, places to, to uh, compete in the qualifiers. You know, that was one. The second is, you know, AGAs, uh, Allied Golf Associations, are the backbone of our, of our qualifying. Um, and uh, like a lot of organizations in this time, you know, they're, they're struggling. They have been struggling. Um, it would have put an additional pressure on them as well as the host clubs uh, where, we, where we play, many of which have not been able to, to be open for quite some time and are just reopening. Uh, you factor all those things in and, and, and one more important element, um, which is that we're based in New Jersey. So the USJ is in New Jersey, second hardest hit state. We've been working remotely since mid-March, and we don't anticipate – being back until sometime late August, early September. Oh, wow. So we can't even work in the same space. So yeah. to be able to, to put these qualifiers on uh, and to put the championships on that we had to cancel um, was, was just not possible in our estimation. You know, and, I, and, I'd, and I'd also add, I mean, it's an incredibly difficult decision. 
I mean, we have the we have the opportunity to provide a platform for people to chase their dreams, and taking that platform away, you know, is gut wrenching. We know it impacts uh, players, um, and it's also you know exceptionally difficult for us to, to do. But a decision that we felt like we had to make if we were going to continue to play these four championships. Did you guys consider? I mean, I I, I can I totally get the you know the nine thousand people and the local qualifiers. Did y'all consider removing that aspect of it and just sticking to I'm going to call them for lack of a better term the regional qualifiers like Purchase New York and Columbus Ohio? Did you did y'all consider just holding those and, and using the exemptions that those people had into those into that part of it and running with the smaller fields and doing something like that? We did. Okay. We did. And again. For all the reasons that, that I laid out, while it would be less complex, right. fewer states, fewer places, still didn't seem like it was something that we could do um, while ensuring everyone's health and safety. You know, our, our head of championships, John Bodenhammer, his team, you know, they worked night and day considering several different options, um, but in the end felt like this was the best one uh, that we had in order to proceed with the championship. Yeah, the fact is the Open Championship's not being played at all, so a U.S. Open without qualifying is a heck of a lot better than not playing at all. So I think you answered my question, you know, <laughs> as good as you possibly could, and now I get it. Well, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we hope we hope that in the end uh, that's, the, that's where everyone will land, you know, that having a U.S. Open, uh, despite the fact that we have this anomaly in, in, in a, in a, with this situation that we won't be able to have qualifying, yeah. it's better than not having you know, the other thing, too, that a lot of people don't know is, um, you know, a strong a strong U.S. Open means a strong USGA means a strong game. The U.S. Open generates 75% of all our revenue. And while this wasn't a revenue-based decision, as I said, health and safety came first, the, re- the reality is, you know, because of the U.S. Open, the players who play in it, those that come and watch uh, in person or see it on TV, our partners, we're able to do, to do all these amazing things uh, for the game. Um, and, and obviously without it, that, that would be a challenge as well. And that, again, that wasn't our reason for, for making the decision, but at the same time, I think it's important for people to know just how important it is in, on our ability to have an impact on the game of golf. Again, uh, the chief brand officer for the USGA, Craig Annis joining us and, uh, Craig. So as we look forward to these four championships and being exemption based, can you, can you give us a feel how this is going to work? I mean, I can see it from the professional side. There's opportunities in events that we're actually going to hold where, you know, you've seen it before that uh, you can qualify through finishing the top and so many, you know, the top five that aren't already exempt to get into the U.S. Open. You can do that several times. I'm sure that might be something that's on the table for the men and the women. The U.S. Amateur is going to be a little bit different and, 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 and the, the women's amateur is going to be a little bit different because you don't necessarily have those kind of events unless you've identified some that you can uh, how, give us a feel for how those four championships are going to populate exemptions into the field. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, you know, I think in the next two to three weeks, we'll be in a position to share all the, all the details. You know, I, I think as, as a starting point, it's really our goal to replicate the strength and diversity uh, of the field, the best, the best way we can. Um, those two things are, are paramount for us, strength and diversity. Um, and, and, and it is, it is you know, linked to our history and, and linked to what, what fans uh, have come to expect out of these championships, that you have people um, from all over who are, who are playing. And so we're going to look at a, a number of different exemption categories with all exempt fields um, and, and do our best to try to, to try to replicate it across those, 
two dimensions. You know, I think, again, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be in a position to share the details. But but I do think, um, look, it's not, it's not going to be an easy task, you no. know, and our team is, um, is hard at work now and trying to figure out what that looks like. And the reality is we don't, we don't have that today um, because up until, up until, you know, when we made the announcement, the team was hard at work trying to figure out how to have some sort of qualifying. Um, and when that became uh, impossible in our, in our estimation, um, we, we had to change gears. So there, there are a few days into this work, um, and we'll need a little bit more time, um, but we should be in a place to share it in the, in the coming weeks. Well, the good news uh, for one certain player is that uh, with uh, uh, basically an all-exemption field, um, Phil Mickelson's probably going to be in the field, no questions. <laughs> so he doesn't have to worry about uh, getting a special exemption that uh, that he would uh, that he claimed that he was going to turn down, which didn't make sense to me. No but, sense at all, actually. Um, you know, I mean, obviously not getting into specifics, but, you know, in the past there's been uh, either the top 50 or the top 60 in the world automatically get in. I mean, there's probably going to be an expansion of that. You may go to 75, 80, whatever that number is. Um, so I'm sure there's going to be a great plan rolled out and lots of different options. Um, but from the U.S. Open on the men's and the women's side, it, will there also be a way for some of the top amateurs to maybe get in through uh, certain exemptions and qualifications. I mean, is that under consideration as well? Because we do know that of those, you know, 9,000 people that apply, a good majority of those are amateurs just like us. Yeah, absolutely. Without question. I mean, amateur participation is a, a value factor in our open championships. Um, and we're going to build categories with that in mind. Um, you know, none of us can, can imagine having U.S. Opens without a strong uh, amateur presence, so you, you know you can count on on seeing that in terms of exemption categories and, and players who will who will be uh, invited to play. That is awesome. Well, Craig, we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, provide us with some answers to our questions this morning. I uh, hope you have a great long weekend and stay safe up there in New Jersey. Thank you. Thanks for giving Craig, us the opportunity. Craig, tell, thanks, for, thanks for what you do. Tell everybody in Far Hills I just sent my money in for my yearly membership. I'm, I'm the, they'll nice. be, Thank they'll you. be thrilled with that. that. <laughs> the game of golf appreciates it. Yeah. Telling everyone else to join as well. Yeah, exactly. Membership program. Yeah. Craig, go. thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you all.